Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you and thank you for joining us. This message is from our 2021 summer camp. We hope it leaves you encouraged for this upcoming season. Thank you for joining us. In 1 Peter, there's interesting... I want to read this to you. It says... uh, Having been born again, having been born again, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, let's just go back. I'm going to have to bring sinful depravity in all this. but, But basically, when we see God today, When God comes into our life, we ask him to come in, and what he does, he brings incorruptible seed into our lives because everything on the earth is about seed. Everything you see around you is is the product of a seed. So you are a product of a seed. And when God God bursts you again, when you ask Jesus Christ in your life, you know what happens? You get an incorruptible. What does that mean? It's not corrupted. It can't be ruined. It can't be degraded by man's attempts. It's an incorruptible seed which you were born again with. It's, it's, it's in you. It's the, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Now, in the next, cha- in the next book, 2 Peter, then this has always fascinated me. It says, as his divine power has now given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have this incorruptible seed has given us divine nature. You didn't care. I thought you'd be jumping out of your seat on that one. Think about it. God saved you, put a seed in you. What do seeds do? They grow. We were, uh, my wife planted some, some uh, plants, some vegetables and stuff in our backyard. We have a little garden. And she planted tomatoes and lettuce and onions. And she planted cucumbers that she didn't know what kind of cucumbers they were. They turned out to be what they call musk melons or musk uh and i've never heard of them they grow they grow about three feet in three days if you don't pick them out they will they will continue to grow and just take over the garden now that was from a seed we'd never known what that cucumber was but we had to go online to figure out what it was we had normal cucumbers too, but this cucumber just, it almost looked like a big worm that was growing out of control, you know? <laughs> but seeds are powerful because God said in the beginning, he said, when you plant a seed, it will be in its own likeness. Every seed that's planted has the life of what it will be in it already. So when you are planted with the powerful, abiding, forever living word of God, and it comes in your life, 
it, it has the, the divine nature in it already that is available for you to live your life in that divine nature according to the promises of God that I just read to you out of Second Peter. It's, it's innate within you. Once that seed is in you, all you have to do is water it. Now, if you don't water it, the, the, the garden can die. We, you know, there was parts of the garden we were wondering, so we had to increase our water. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, if we can understand the secrets of the kingdom and start watering the seed that has already been put in us, that kingdom thing will happen us in, in a powerful way. Now, I'm saying all that up front because when, when Satan came into the garden and, and he came to Adam and Eve, remember, remember what, what occurred there. There was, a, there was a temptation that came. And, and I want to I talk to you about this, this temptation and, and what it led to. If you remember in Genesis 2, 16, 17, God told and warned Adam and Eve. Now, here's the kingdom. They're in the kingdom. They already have the divine nature. They're already, you know, uh, living life incredibly wonderful. Everything's perfect. And it says, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on that day that you eat from it you will certainly die. God simply didn't say, don't eat. He told them what would happen if they did. Death would come. And death came. Now, we, we know they ate the fruit. I'm, I'm not going to go into that whole story. But on one level, death came immediately. Genesis 3, 7 says, The eyes of both of them were open after they ate. They now knew shame and guilt. It caused him to hide from God. In other words, their relationship with God was broken beyond their ability to repair it. And as a result, in Genesis 3.22, God sent them away from his presence so they died in their spirit. You're made a threefold person, spirit, soul, and body. What happened, God told them, God warned them. Now notice this. They could have eaten of the tree of life. God didn't warn them not to. He didn't tell them not to. They could have eaten, but once they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, notice it's the tree of the knowledge of good. There's a lot of good things we eat that aren't God things. Not just evil. Good things that are out of the realm of God's perfect and, perf and complete will. And he says, don't eat of those things. Because once you eat of them, you have to be removed from God's presence because God's presence demands total holiness. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. So we, we have this fascinating story happening in history. Now, death of the spirit was swift. They separated from God. Everything happened. You know, that happened. But physical death didn't seem to be in such a hurry. Watch this. Death makes an appearance in Genesis 4. We see it sometime after they were removed from the garden because God sent them out of the garden, sent them out of his presence, and posted an angel there so they couldn't get back in. Now think about that. Having been in the presence of God and then excommunicated out. You could never see him again. Death now makes an appearance. Cain kills Abel. So we have this 
this whole activity happening. The specter of death hovered over humanity like an ominous storm cloud threatening everyone's existence. And while this threat of death lingered, the reality of death seemed nothing more than a myth, a made-up story. Oh, we're not going to die. It was kind of an empty threat because these antediluvian people, pre-flood people, enjoyed some extraordinary long lives. Adam, how long did he live? 930 years. His son lived 905 years. The youngest person in the first 10 generations of Adam lived 777 years, which was Noah's father. So, if you heard, once you eat this fruit, you die. Oh, that's just a story. That's just a myth. I've heard it said in our day, oh, Jesus isn't going to re really return back. Second coming isn't really going to happen. Now, they had these long lifespans because at that point, if you, uh, if you research and find out, the earth was basically a greenhouse. The atmosphere was perfect. There was no rain. They dew watered the earth in the morning, and they just had a wonderful life in the sense of the natural. And, uh, but after the flood, everything changed. Now, with, with, now think about this. With lifespans reaching several centuries, it must have seemed as if death would never come. But then Genesis 4 and 5 come into being. In Genesis chapter 5, I'll just read a couple verses because you'll get bored if I read too long. In Genesis chapter 5, it starts out this way. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years, begat a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And Enosh, and he, and he begot Enosh. Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enosh lived nine. 90 years, and it goes on and on and on. Ten generations, just like that. But there's an interesting thing that happens. The Bible says, uh, you know, have you ever, uh, family trees are only interesting if they're yours. And some of us don't even care about our own. But it is interesting to find out, you know, your, your family, family lineage. This person begat that person who begat that person who begat that person. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son, according to Scripture, in his own likeness, according to his image, and he named him Seth. He didn't say he was born in the image of God. Adam was born in the image of God, but Seth wasn't. You follow me? Yeah. Seth wasn't. Seth was born in the image of Adam. Because Adam had sinned, total depravity had come into the earth, and they were, they were exed out of the presence of God, and their spirit had died. You with me? Yeah. And so, 
So Seth is born. Seth, according to Scripture, if you read Scripture, Seth was to take the place of Abel. He was, the, he was in the line of Abel. They had Cain. Cain was excommunicated or pushed out into a land that I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. Pushed out. So he was a wandering person. He was not a part of the family anymore. They didn't even claim him because he had killed Abel. But Seth comes along. It says, then the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he fathered other sons and daughters. That's a long time to father a lot of sons and daughters. <laughs> so all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. The pattern includes this. The pattern in this scripture always includes the age of the father at the birth of his son, the name of the son, how many years they lived after the son was born, a reference to them fathering other children, and the age of the father at the time of his death. You might think, that's really boring. Oh, there's some interesting things inside that. <laughs> Have you ever taken a line? I did this recently. Take a line and push it out how many years Adam lived. Then take Seth, push it out in how many years he lived. Then Enosh, all the ones down the line, all the way through, through uh, you go through Enoch and and uh, uh, Methuselah, Enosh, or Lamech, and then Noah, the tenth. Do you know that all nine first generations would have known Adam and talked to him? They lived during the time that Adam was born or alive. So here we have we're talking about great, 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 great grandchildren and gr yeah. the family, yeah. and they would have known their great, 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 great grandfather, yeah. actually gone and talked to him and lived with him. Historians tell us that Adam and Eve were so filled with shame and guilt that they lived a, a good portion of their life in darkness and in caves. They couldn't even stand the light because it it reminded them too much of what they had with God. Now, if all these generations had talked to Adam, Adam would have told them, man, in the garden. Wow, it was, it was the most amazing thing. I walked with God. We weren't sick. There, were, there was no anxiety. We weren't afraid. But we disobeyed God, and we ate that fruit. And as soon as we did, we, we got scared. They didn't know what fear was. Now, think about that, sitting around a fire at night talking to Adam. Every generation. The only generation that did not talk to Adam was Noah. Nine generations did. So... With this pattern that I just mentioned to you, repeated, this chapter reads like an obituary column, the one I just started reading to you, over and over again, and they died, and he died. We find ourselves at this wall to which we all must come. It's called the wall of death. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about death tonight, but you have to, you have to understand, and I do a lot of funerals, and it's interesting that most people don't even think about death until they go to a funeral. The most important encounter you have with, in your life is what will happen after you die. We spend more time try, figuring out our retirement than what happens at the end of our life. 
Death is a consequence of sin, is it not? And so we have that. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as though one man sinned into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. But what happens in the middle of this chapter is the most fascinating thing, and this is what I want to talk to you tonight about. Right in the middle of, and he died, and he died. Eight times, and he died, and he died. And he died, and he had these kids, and he died. All of a sudden, there's a break of the pattern. Death comes to everyone, but one notable exception. Genesis 5, 21 through 24. Let me read it to you. Now, Enoch lived 65 years. In our day, that's a pretty good age. And he fathered Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he fathered Methuselah, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He died, he died, he died. He walked with God. Now, interestingly, in this portion of Scripture, now think about this. Enoch is a striking figure because he is one of but two men of in Scripture that is said he walked with God. The other one is Noah. He is one of but two men who lived in the earth and went to heaven without passing through the portal of death. Two men. He and Elijah. I'm going to talk a little bit about that a little later. And he's the only one except our blessed Lord of whom it is written, he pleased God. There must be something about Enoch we better find out. And so we, we have this, um, uh, this, this amazing uh, thing occurring. Now, I want to read two more scriptures because there's two other scriptures in the Bible ta- that talks about Enoch, refers to him. First one is in Hebrews 11:5. says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, death, and he was not found because God took him up. For before he was taken up, he was attested to have been pleasing to God. Now, we, we quote this scripture. We always quote it out of context. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So what would Enoch have had to have had to please God? Faith. faith. Yeah. All right? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists, and he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. So that, that's the other scripture. Then there's one more in Jude 14, 15, which is fascinating. It says, it was also about these people that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, behold, the Lord has come with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners has spoken against him. Now you have to understand, therefore, this scripture tells us Enoch was a preacher. He was preaching against this ungodliness. He was prophesying. He was talking about thousands of angels coming. He was talking about that God was going to execute judgment upon them. And they were to learn the righteous ways, not the ungodly ways. So we see in this scripture uh, that Enoch is trying to tell us something. We are created to know God, created to have a relationship with him. Because it says he walked with God. God's design and purpose for us has not changed. We were created by by God. We're created for God. We're created to have a relationship with God. 
And we, we see all this from a human perspective. There was reason to question why, you know, what, what kind of a relationship God, God would have with us because we really disappointed him yeah. in a sense. Okay? But, but God wasn't surprised by, by uh, the sin that came in. And there was great, if you, if you read historical documents in Josephus, other historical documents, you will find the evil back there was unbearable. It was, it was awful. We're, we're starting to go back to that, unfortunately. But God had already planned for this, had already planned for this change in the human race. And so we see in that, that in the godly line of Seth that people began to call on the name of the Lord in worship. You go to Genesis 4.26, they began to call on the name of the Lord in worship. We see it in the opening verses of chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. On the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. I already read that. And God reiterates his design and plan for man. God created them in his likeness and image, which means God created us sufficiently like himself so that we could have relationship with him. So, here's Enoch's brief story. Let me try to explain it to you. So, we, we, we were created to to have an, in a relationship with God. Where our existence is all about God, not about us. Yeah. But there's a huge void in our lives because of total depravity, because of sin, which I already described to you. Now notice this. There's two lines in Genesis. There's Seth's line and there's Cain's line. If you go back, you'll visit Cain's line. Cain's line says... Cain begat so, begat so, begat so, begat so. There was no determination of years and nothing of what they did, a few things that they did. Now, here's my statement. Any person that's alive, if there was no dates given for their longevity or how long they lived, that mean, meant their life didn't mean anything. Without God, time doesn't mean anything. Now notice this. Cain, and, this is fascinating because this is what happens today. Cain and his descendants built cities. They invented wonderful things. They made technological and societal advances, but they did it apart from God. They advanced to sin, in sinful depravity. They lived their days in a place called Nod, N-O-D, which is a land named to reflect the, reflect the condition of their hearts. What was that land all about? It was a land of wandering and restlessness. Oh, that is kind of what we have today. There's a bunch of people living in the land of Nod, wandering and restlessness. They can't satisfy anything in their lives because they've not had that divine nature from the seed of God coming into their heart through the word of God, changing everything. And so they live like that. And so they're, they're spiritually lost. And they doubt whether God could ever love them. And so even, even among some believers who have made a mess of their lives and are battling sin, they, they, they don't think that God cares anything about them. But I'm telling you today, we were created to know God and have a relationship with God. How do I know that? Right in the middle of this genealogy, God points out the man who really pleased him is a man of faith, and he, he, he started talking all about walking with God. I heard this funny story about this guy, um, this, uh, this guy whose truck was rear-ended. 
the bumper was smashed and the paint all scratched up. And a, a friend asked him, are you going to sue for damages? And the old man responded, damages? I've already got damages. What I need is repairs. You know, we've got damages. Well, we, we're not suing for more damages. We're suing for repairs. Yeah. We need repairs in our lives. We've all been damaged. Yeah. Everybody in this room has had damage done to your spirit, your soul, everything about you. And we, I don't know about you, but I want to know how to get fixed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know because... Here, here we see, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what we've got to do is start establishing an, an avenue of faith, yeah. just, like, just like, for some reason, Enoch did. It, and now, now faith, believing God, uh, when we, when we uh, please God and we have faith like God, is believing God to be who he said he is. It's also believing God gives revelation. It, it's, it's trusting God to do what he has promised. It's trusting God to deliver us from judgment. That's the kind of faith that Enoch had. Enoch was a man of faith. He simply believed God. He came to know the Lord, believed God. If you look back at Genesis 5, Enoch did not always walk with God or know God. There was a point in time that Enoch's life was totally changed. This is interesting. It, it says 65 years, Enoch was in existence. When he was 65 years, he had Methuselah. He lived 300 more years and walked with God. What in the world happened? Think about it. What happened? I think what happened? He had a baby. How do I know that this was a revelation of how he named his baby? See, we have this situation. God comes, gives him a gift. And maybe the, the responsibility of parenthood came on him. I, I don't know all the, all the things that happened, but I know this. He named him Methuselah. Now, you might think, oh, that's an interesting name. I don't think I'll name my child Methuselah, but <laughs> you know what Methuselah means? When he is dead, it shall be sent. When he is dead, it shall be sent. Who's dead? When Methuselah dies, it shall be sent. What's going to be sent? Now, I personally believe that God revealed to Enoch in a revelation what was going to happen at the death of Methuselah. And that's why he named him Methuselah, because God asked him to. Now, think about this. I think God maybe said to him, do you see that baby? The world will last as long as he lives and no longer. When that child dies, I shall deal with the world in judgment. The windows of heaven will be open. The fountains of the great deep will be broken up and all humanity will perish. That's kind of an interesting name, a revelation. But the Bible says from that day on, Enoch walked with God. 300 years. That's three centuries. People, that's back to, what, what's three centuries back? 1721? He walked three centuries with God. Some of you have a hard time with three minutes. He walked with God for three centuries. Three centuries. 
Suppose that God said to you, the life of that little one is to be the life of the world. And when that child dies, the world will be destroyed. Wow. That would be a heavy-duty thing. That's why he became a preacher. That's why he preached judgment. He preached faith. He preached judgment and repentance. Now, now think about that. Every time Methuselah got sick, <laughs> think about it. Oh, is it, is it time? But here's the good thing about God. Now think about this. Methuselah, the name that meant when he dies, the deluge would come, the flood would come, lived the longest of any man on earth, which means God has great mercy. He was willing to wait as long as he could. I don't know. Think about this. Enoch was the seventh from, ne from Adam. Seventh is the number of completion. Methuselah is number eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Ten. Ten is, is Noah. Noah is, means rest. And so I think that uh, Enoch had a good picture of what it meant to meet God. And he was trying to preach that to others. I guess I'm here tonight to say we've got to be more like Enoch. We've got to start walking with God. We've got to start doing things that bring us close to him. Uh, and You know, from the time Methuselah was born, the world actually lost all its attractiveness to Enoch. And from that time on, he walked with God. Now, after that happened, now think about this. The Bible says God translated. God took him. After Enoch, he lived in the earth a great... Uh, no, how many years did he live on the earth then? How many years? How many years did Enoch... I just told you a few minutes ago. 365. What number is 365? Days in a year. Come on, the Bible's chock full of stuff. In other words... He was saying, you need to walk with me every day of your life. You need to, you need to be a person who, who, who becomes like me. And, uh, and as if to show that, that was an example of a human being who'd fulfilled his destiny. Enoch fulfilled his destiny because he lived 365 years, days or years, exampling those days. It was a type of what destiny of all mankind should be like. And then God carried him over. Now think about this. God carried him across the divide. What is the divide? Death. Death is the river that divides this world from the world to come. And here was a man that never had to go through that river at all. Only two did. Elijah and Enoch, both starting with E. God transferred them. God translated them. God picked them up. Faith had turned to sight. And I think Enoch is, is someone we need to example our life after. We are created to walk with God just like Enoch. Just like him. To walk with God. What, is, what does that really mean? What is, what is that? You know, think about this. Enoch's life was not, was not characterized by defeating a bunch of armies. It didn't say that he... He was splitting seas and, and ponds and puddles and all kinds of things. He didn't do that. There was no fire from heaven. There was no casting out demons that we know of. I mean, he may have. 
No healing the sick and definitely no raising the dead. No water from a rock or any other supernatural act that we see in Scripture with other mighty men of God. And I'm not degrading that. I'm not saying that. And yet we find him listed as the example of faith. As one who walked with God because he pleased God, because faith is what pleases God. His life was defined by his relationship with God. That's how it was defined. It wasn't that he did great things. He walked with God. Speaks of integrity and service and intensity and passion and intimacy. Enoch had faith. He knew God. He believed. He obeyed. To walk with God is to be reconciled with him, is to be holy, be of the same heart, mind, and purpose, walking together. Because if you, you have to walk together if you're going to be agreed. There's a mutual destination. You keep the same pace. Walking is interesting. It also means when you walk with God, you, you make progress. I mean, if God's going to walk someplace and you're walking with him, you're going to go someplace. Come on. He didn't say he sat with God. He didn't say he ran with God. He didn't sprint with God. He walked with God. A steady progress, never stopping. Oh, this is so good. This is what we need in the church. We need walkers with God. Not sprinters, not people that start out real fast, then they stop and they try to catch their breath. It's almost like, did you see the... Uh, the American woman who, who ran and took third in the marathon, she just kept going. She just kept up. She just stayed with the others and just kept. She didn't stop. She just kept. It wasn't a, it was a sprint. It was a run. But I'm talking to you as a spiritual person. We need to learn to walk with God. Walk with him. Walk with him. It means, I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Can you imagine? I think that scripture is... All is talking about Enoch. Can you imagine what people talked about with Enoch? Have you been around Enoch recently? Whoa. God just drips off of him. Think about that. It's just like God is all over him. He just has the aroma of heaven. You know, we're not talking about 60, 70, 80 years, like in our lifetime. We're talking about three centuries. Three centuries he walked. Not just decades, centuries. So what there would have been the overwhelming, unmistakable sense of God's presence all around him. I don't know about you, but I don't think I have that yet. And I want that. I want to walk with God in such a way that God flows off of me. Just It's almost like people have to put on a, a veil like Moses. Because the brightness of God just shines through. Come on, let's be walkers with God. Let's be those that are kingdom people that would choose to walk with God. Now, it's interesting. The other, God didn't, didn't uh, put down the others who lived during his time. He didn't say they were bad people or, or you know, uh, anything about them. It, it just refers to Enoch as being one that 
would walk with God in extraordinary circumstances. Now, I'm telling you right now, this world is in extraordinary circumstances. I'm older than all of you. I can tell you right now, it's never been like this. And I've only lived seven decades. Enoch lived three centuries. Can you imagine the sin and depravity that he found around him? Because Cain and all that line were just creating havoc. And all that, and it says by the time we get to Noah's time, the world was so evil that God wanted to actually destroy it, so he did. But he saved eight, the number of new beginnings, so he could start all over. But it all happened. I, here, here's, my, here's my statement. If Enoch hadn't been in the middle of that genealogy, I don't think Noah would have made it. Because I think Adam gave it to Enoch who gave it to Noah. Because only two people were said to have walked with God. Enoch and Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Wow. I want it. This is what I want. I want to find people that are walking with God and I want to rub up against them. And I want to do my part to find, to walk with God and find out what it really means to walk with God. What we do is what, now think about this. And some of you in this room, I'm, I'm sorry if this is an indictment, but some it might be. We like, we're like roller coaster Christians. If we feel good and if things are going, experiences are going good, oh, man, I just love God. This is awesome. Now all of a sudden something happens. Man, it's just tough living this life. I don't think God's with me anymore. What? God said he never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, do you believe the word or not? Come on, he already put his divine nature in you. All you have to do is water it. It'll grow. You may even be a, a musk melon. You might grow pretty fast. But I'm telling you right now, that's what happened in Enoch's life. Yeah. How, now, my question is this. If God chose one phrase to describe and sum up your life, what would it be? Please don't yell it out. <laughs> How we live life determines what happens when life comes to an end. One way or another, life on this planet is going to end. And the question is, what happens then? Well, death comes. The Bible says it is appointed on a man once to die. Not twice, once. Once is your body, twice is your spirit. And so we see this. We were created to live forever with God. Now, oh, there's so much going through my mind, but I got I to gotta conclude this. I hope you're catching something. The Bible talks about, this is fascinating. Every time, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Have you heard that scripture before? That's, and it refers to many things. But it also refers to whenever anything happened in Jesus' life, he always had to have two witnesses there. What happened on, on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration? Two witnesses show up. If you go to the book of Revelation, the Bible says in the end time, Two witnesses are going to show up. Do you know how, who I think they're going to be? Enoch and Elijah. You know why? Because they didn't taste death. Oh. Yeah. Da, na, 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 na. 
I mean, can I, can I just tell you, if you'll read the Bible, there are so many intricate, secret, awesome, wonderful, dichotomous, just ironic things. Every number in the Bible is just powerful. How many generations? Go and number the generations that are in the Old Testament and generations in the New Testament. The generations of Adam were the generations of death. The generations of Jesus in Matthew 1 were the generation of the Lamb's book of life. So you have death, you have life. We choose life. God has given us. Now, you have to, you have to get, catch this because he's given us this seed that will grow in us. He has given us an inoculation that goes against the sting of death. There's all kinds of metaphors I could use. But isn't it interesting that that uh, God has created us and he wants to walk with us. God, he created us to live with him because our God has power over death. He has power over sin. And as his child, I can be, mast I can be master over sin and death because Jesus is overcome. Now, can you imagine? The Bible says this, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Can you imagine the search party that went out? Where did Enoch go? Where did Enoch go? Because there weren't all that many people on the earth at the time. Where did Enoch go? I mean, it must have been on cold cases or, you know, uh, unsolved mysteries or something. But what happened? Nobody saw him go, according to history. God carried him over because that's what the Bible says. He carried him over death and the grave. Now, how do I want to end this? There's a, a little girl had an idea of what happened. She said, well, you know what I think happened? Enoch used to take long walks with God. So one day he walked so far, God said, it's too far to go back. Come home with me and stay. And after 300 years of preaching for the Lord and walking with the Lord, God looks at Enoch and says, today's a good day. Why don't you come home with me? Now, Could it be this was how it was meant to be for all of us? That we would not have to encounter death? Happened with Enoch. Happened with Elijah. Now, I guess what I'm here today to just conclude here is to say, let's begin walking with God. Let's begin taking our opportunity to, to just uh, walk together with him in agreement. It means that we have a correspondence of nature when we walk with God. It means that we have moral fitness when we walk with God. It means that, you know, if you walk with God, you cannot have evil in your heart. If you're with God, everything in Israel, when, when God would come... When in Israel, when God would come, there would come, there would actually be a removal of all defiled items because God could not be where there was defilement. And so we, we see that walking with God implies a lot of things. It means surrendered will. God doesn't force his way into your life. God wants to walk with you, but only walk with you because you want to. 
And walking, as I, as I talked about, suggests steady progress. Not a run, not a leap, not a sprint. It was a walk. And so we see that faith is the instrumental thing that will bring us into a walk with God. What pleases God? Faith. 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 Come on. Faith. Faith pleases God. Now, here, here's the thing about faith. You don't know if you have faith until you need faith. Because faith is, if you see that which you have that you want to obtain, that's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it has nothing to do with, it's all, God puts it in your heart because you have that seed in you. You have the divine nature. You're walking with God. He gives you something to have faith for. And so you begin to, to reach out to him by walking with him, a steady walk. It's a forward direction. And there would be growth in that walk. If we're going to trust God, we've got to walk with God. Do you know what I think? I think another consequence of Enoch's walk with God, he was the most joyful person you would ever be around. I think he had great joy, great peace. He must have been supremely happy. Can you imagine every day walking with God? If it's in the Bible, it's possible. God put that little nugget. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. He's telling us, Enoch walked with God. You can too. Don't strive for, to do things with God. Just walk with him. It's not even about trying to make him proud of you. It's just walking with God. Spend time. Now think about this. Enoch walked with God before the Holy Spirit. This is Old Testament. We got the whole... See, he had to have faith to believe that a Messiah had, was going to come. We don't have to have faith for that. He already came. So what are, we, what are we wasting our time with all this other stuff? Let's start walking with God. I don't know, this, this just really, really pounded me. This really affected me when I started reading this because I realized that he was a man of faith. He was instrumental in his reconciliation with God and walking just proved to be this amazing thing for him, growing in this, in this walk. And oh, just as I close, another consequence of his walk was his witness because he was a preacher, so he preached. That was a witness. Do you know what it said of Noah in Peter as well? It says Noah was a preacher. Noah preached, Enoch preached. They both walked with God. Now, preaching in that, in that sense is not just getting up in a pulpit. It's talking to people all the time. Hey, do you know that when my son dies, there's a great flood coming? What's a flood? Well, think about it. He had to have faith to even believe that. It had never, had never been rain on the earth. But he walked with God. He was supremely happy. He was a witness. So before we can witness for God, we better walk with God. I think that's enough. 
the Lord just spoke to me today. He says, just tell them. This isn't a, something you perform. This is something you do and you become. It's not just, you know why I go to church? I, I don't go to church because I have to. I can't take it when I'm not at church. I can't take it when I'm not in prayer. I, I can't take it when I'm, you know. Because why? Because it's not about what I have to do. It's what I want to do. Because I want to be found walking with God. Do you know what I think the greatest characteristic of CYA could be this year? Man, all those guys walk with God. Every time I get with them, I just smell God. I feel God. I hear God. The Bible says when, when those who, who aren't even prophets get with the prophets, they start prophesying. When people who are not even walking with God get with those who walk with God, they'll start hearing and walking with God. You have great influence. Stop trying to prove something. Get over your damages. God wants to just simply heal you. Stop talking about all of your problems. And can I, can I just say this? Stop. Uh, I don't even know. Can, can you just get off news and get off propaganda? And get Everything they say is completely a lie. I don't care who it is anymore. It's a lie. If you're going to... If you're going to believe something, ask me first, and I'll tell you if it's good or not. Sheesh. It's all a lie. What we need is the Word of God. We need the Word of God with us so we can walk with God. And to us, it's a lot easier because we got the Holy Spirit. And He just is with us, and He's the paraclete, which means He's right alongside of us. We're joined to the hip. Let's be a people that walk with God. Changes our life. I, I know you don't want to live in all that yuckiness. None of us do. But we have to learn to walk with God. It's a process. It may take three centuries. But let's start somewhere. Now, yes, Enoch had a revelation. Something happened when Methuselah was born because he named him. We, you, I, I, I told you that story. I'm going to pray that God's going to give you a revelation. God's going to give you a revelation so you can truly walk with God in great faith. See, it's faith. It's all faith. Faith is what pleases God. And as we walk with God in faith, we become an arom aromatic people. We smell good. And people want to be around us. Because you're not judging. You're not throwing all this discontent. And, and you know... I can spend 15 minutes with you and I can tell you whether you walk with God or not because of how you talk. Our tongue betrays who we really are because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So I'm here today. I guess I'm just imploring you. Me too. I'm preaching to me. Let's begin a life of walking with God. And you're young now. You know, I'm approaching the end of my life. You're, you're just starting it. Come on. What would happen if 150 young people decided, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be like Enoch. I'm going to have the most joyful. Because now faith means that he had some obstacles. 
If he had to have faith, he had some things come up that weren't very good. Right? So, can we be a walking with God people? Is this, does this, does this speak to you tonight? Let's be like Enoch, because I believe, here's, here's when I close with this, I'd like to do a, another message on Elijah. The only two guys that went over the river of death didn't die. Because it was said of Elijah that it, that in the last day, there will be the spirit of Elijah in the earth before Jesus comes. So we have Enoch, who walked with God. We have Elijah. We're going to have the spirit of Elijah. So you need to do a word study on Elijah and a word study on Enoch. Put them together and see what God says. Okay? It's just the word of the Lord. I just read some scriptures and told you a little story. I hope it just... See what history can do. Take a little piece of this in history. Pluck it out. Because think of it, almost a thousand years. And I, I can't even imagine. Here's a, almost a thousand years Adam lived and all his, his descendants followed after him and they heard his story. I imagine it really affected some of them. It, it had to have. And then Noah comes along. Wow. I don't know. We've been given so much and we do so little. Enoch was given little, and he did much. Now, that's not, I'm not trying to compare. I'm just saying, hey, we're in a day and age where light's going to shine so bright because there's such darkness out there that everybody's going to come running to the light. It tells us this in Isaiah 61. In the last days, they're going to come running come from the north, south, east, and west. The sons and daughters will come running to the light, to the mountain of the house of the Lord. Come on, let's be that mountain. Let's be that people. Let's be those walkers with God. Okay? Can I pray for you? Why don't you bow your heads? We need you. We need you. We need you. Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you. Come, come, come. Father, let us be a people who seek you. Let us be a generation of Enoch's who delight in the walking with God, who delight in the presence of the living God. Lord, I'm, I'm praying right now, I'm praying, Lord, that everyone in this room would have an encounter with the living God in such a dynamic way, such as what happened to Enoch at 65 years of age. Lord, you, you came in his room somehow. You spoke to him somehow. And he was forever changed. 
Lord, we want to be forever changed. I pray that every one of us, Lord, we would be those who the characteristic would be, and he walked with God, and she walked with God. God help us. Lord, I just pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would eradicate this room of all doubt, all skepticism. And you would fill us with faith. For faith is what pleases you. Fill this room, fill our hearts with faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. We heard the word tonight. And I'm praying right now that as we as we attach our faith to this word, we would become what the word says and he walked with God. Lord, do it. Do it in me. Thank you, Jesus. Breathe on us now, Holy Spirit. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Let the Ruach of God, the breath of God, come in this room and breathe upon every one of us. If this, if this message just pr- plucked your heart, pricked you a little bit, and, and you just have this deep desire to walk with God, I want to stand to you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. You just There's just something in you. Just I, I got to have this. I, I, I have to have this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.